Welcome back to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. We are your co-hosts, Mr. Craigers. And I am Miss Melmoy. Miss Melmoy. And today, <clears throat> this is episode six, our Blair Witch Bonanza. Oh. <laughs> you might say. One might say. One might say. Um, we are going to be talking to you about... All things Blair Witch, primarily our latest sequel, Blair Witch. Blair Witch. Which Miss Melmoy and AKA I AKA The Woods. Yeah, AKA The Woods, which we both saw this past weekend. And hopefully we're going to get this episode out to you guys in enough time to save you from having to go <laughs> see Blair Witch in the coming days and weeks and months. A little bit of a gap since episode five. We were kind of throwing a lot of episodes at you guys pretty early on. I think now we're settling into our groove. Yeah. Um, Although in October, we'll probably start throwing episodes at you again. So you've got about two weeks to chill, and then they'll come at you again. All right. Let's dive into this hot mess, shall we? (laughs) Oh, boy. So... I want to preface this by saying I looked up like this stuff about the woods long ago, and I was like, "This sounds exactly like Blair Witch because the the woods is what it was originally called." Um, that was the dumb title, and I'm pretty sure like they had a teaser for it like way back in February yeah. when I went to see the witch. They had a teaser for it that didn't have anything to do with like they cut out any references to Blair Witch and yeah. stuff. Um and they had all the posters and the promotional material said the w- the, the woods, woods on it and the release synopsis literally just said like a group of students get or a group of whatever millennials get lo- get lost in the woods <laughs> while trying to film a movie and I was like this sounds like Blair Witch and I thought that was the extent of how stupid it was going to be. I feel like even like, yeah, they tried to be all clever and crafty and stuff in the trailer, you know, when it was the woods and they didn't show you, like, the stick figures or anything like that and stuff or whatever. But I feel like even when I saw it, I was like, found footage in the woods. This looks, like, it just looked like mm-hmm. what well, I would imagine a Blair Witch sequel would well, be. Well, and plus, even the woods poster looked exactly like Blair Witch. I mean, all they did on the the final Blair Witch version was change the title. Like, change the, the color scheme, the, the trees and stuff. Trees like, that, like, grew yeah. together or whatever. Yeah, so. And then Comic-Con happened. And basically, <laughs> basically what happened was they were screening the film at Comic-Con, still calling it The Woods. People filed in to, to watch it. Again, all the promotional material around the building and stuff is the woods. Mm-hmm. They play the movie. You realize five seconds into the movie what it is. And as the movie was playing, they like discreetly went around and switched Changed out all, all the, material the material to say Blair Witch. And people so were when like, the lights oh, came up. Yeah, it, it okay. was revealed. <laughs> and no Which, one was really surprised. They said, I can't remember if it was Adam Weingard or if. Like the producers released this. Somebody involved said that they purposely kept this a secret because they knew fans would feel negatively about a Blair Witch. They should have waited until the second I went into the theater. If you knew people were going to react negatively to a Blair Witch sequel, why are you making a Blair Mm -hmm. Witch sequel? Well, and that came up in a lot of reviews was the idea of like the Blair Witch purists versus people who like 
enjoyed the sequel, which I don't know what its current rating is on Rotten Tomatoes. I know it's at the point where it's, it's considered... It's in the 30s, I think. The 30s? Okay. Yeah. Because the last time I checked it was 58. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, how did so many people, though, like this movie enough to get... Because if you look outside of Rotten Tomatoes and just look up reviews for the movie, a lot of them you get on your Google search results are, like, positive reviews. And I'm like, how? What? <laughs> I know. How did you like this? Um, you know, like, and, and I was th- sitting there thinking about it, and I was like, well, as a found footage film and as a horror film, it's objectively not that bad of, like, it's pretty average. It's it's par for the course it's when it comes to that. For the legacy it was trying to use and embrace, it was Crap. appalling. <laughs> Crap! <laughs> so, um... I think we were my neighbors to... probably just heard that. I know. It's cool. I'm more. I'm more. I'm doing a public service, letting people know. Don't letting go your neighbors know Witch. not to go see Blair Witch. Right. Which Mr. Eric noped right out of that. Mr. Eric did nope right out of that. <laughs> I was like, I asked him earlier this week. I was like, oh, you know, I need to see Blair Witch at some point this weekend. You know, for the show and stuff or whatever. I was like, Do you want to go on on Saturday? Um, and he was like, I don't want to see that. <laughs> That's going to be garbage. It's like, we should just go, we should just watch the original. And I was like, well, yeah, but. Which is the exact mentality uh, I had. And then, right? Anyway. He didn't. He went to a wine tasting thing with work. He chose wine over the Blair Witch, which is, which, which is, you know. Which, it, and it was funny too, because I was talking to, because um, I posted on my Instagram, I took a picture with this Apothic Dark wine that I had. And I was like, oh, look at my on point wine guzzling in preparation for this awful movie <laughs> but i was thinking to myself if it was like i wasn't driving myself to the theater i would have very much like somehow sequestered in a a a vial or two of a uh, right of wine or something because i remember if we had down, somehow managed to see this together it could have been our first we would have had a bar. drunken drunken review podcast we would have had a bar in the background nobody was in my theater i thought well, that's a lie. Somebody did come in. I was, like, really pumped because I like having the theater to myself. I know. Me too. Um, and that's how I saw The Witch, and it was great. And I almost saw Don't Breathe That Way, and then some bitches came in with their mom. Um, there were a couple people in my theater. Oh, and then, and then this um, mom comes in <laughs> with her three, like, preteen sons. And I kid you not, <laughs> the one kid, the one son, had a body pillow with him. I saw that on Twitter. And he like, and he set up shop, <laughs> you know, he's like, he got comfortable. We had the like, you know, the big like lazy boy, like recliner chairs and stuff or whatever. And like, honestly, I, I could not decide. I was like, do I want to punch this kid in the face or do I want to shake his hand? Yeah. And, um, oh, and then like, and then like 20 minutes into the movie, I look over and he's busted out like a quilt. <laughs> he's he got a quilt and his. And his body pillow. And I was like... The only thing I've ever seen that is uh, for the midnight release of Goblet of Fire. Some chicks brought in their body pillows and they're like sweet, like those bean pillows that you hug at night and stuff. And we're like camped out in like the third row. That's amazing. This was at at six o'clock. This was not a midnight show. I'm like, why are you so tired? Although then I got tired. Oh my God. That's because of boredom. I literally... Like, I get this thing where if people are sleeping in a movie, I get really jealous that somebody's sleeping. <laughs> so I'm sitting there as they're sleeping in their tents and shit, and I'm just like, when can I nap? There's a lot of time of them just, like, hanging out in the tent. Yeah, there's a lot of intent footage. Ah! Hey. So, uh, there's a lot of Jamie's stuff. gonna like that if she's listening. 
there was intent footage footage with <laughs> intent um there's a lot of stuff with this and we were trying to figure out the best way to talk about this because any way we talk about it is going to be one part love letter to the original one part scathing review of the newest one and it's difficult to, so i guess for like a working definition when we say we just call it blair witch project versus blair witch yeah since it's difficult now to just say blair witch and they're like which one i know they're like which one are you talking about so blair witch project goes back to 1993 if you can imagine that um yep. where the original creators mylik and um Sanchez? No, no, that's not Sanchez. it. Eduardo Sanchez. Yeah. Sanchez you're right. Yeah. You're Milik right. and Sanchez um, realized they were like, you know, paranormal documentaries and stuff like that is kind of a little bit scarier to us than horror films. And mm -hmm. it, it's interesting because if you think about it in the climate of horror films at the time, it was basically slasher sequels. Like left and right. Like there wasn't too much original stuff coming out at yeah. the beginning of the 90s. So Yeah, you had your... Your Scream was revitalizing the slashers, mm -hmm. you know, Scream and Urban Legend, and I know what you did last summer, and then, um, like, the, I, I always think of it as, like, forensic horror, like Silence yeah. of the Lambs and Seven. Yeah, which uh. was very much a child of, well, that was based on a film or a book, but, like, the the rise of forensic horror in um, in film, I think, was kind of the, the offspring of X-Files a little bit. <clears throat> yeah well and just and and i think just like a reflection of like actual society the 90s yeah just the 90s it's yeah like that's when everyone like everyone was using it's the 90s motives are incidental you know kind of a weird so, i don't know so they're like okay and they decide that they're going to make their own fake documentary as a film and the only precedent for this at this time was a very obscure film from 1980 called Cannibal Holocaust. Which, by the way, is an amazing movie. It's a very good movie. And it's like, it was definitely ahead of its time. Like, the 80s didn't know what to do with it. Because it's basically um, footage of this film crew that gets lost in the jungle. Um, and you're watching it secondhand. And it was it's considered the original found footage film. Um and then, you know, nobody touched found footage again for basically almost another 20 years. Um, so they decide they're going to make their own um, d documentary film. So, and it's a testament because this is such an indie film. Like now we don't think of it that way because it's so mainstream and so kind of iconic of like the 90s and the scene where Heather does her weird snot-nosed confession, confession is so parodied in things. Um, and it's such a thing in pop culture. But this was, like, the indiest of indie films. Like, they had a super tiny budget. They put out their casting yeah, audition. Yeah, it was, it was made on less than $35,000. Yeah. Which, like, if you know anything about making movies, that's nothing. That's, like... That's they didn't even nothing. make the original Paranormal Activity for, I think they... Well, they might have been around that, too. I'm not sure. I think they were around that. They were probably even a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, because they yeah. were using better camera equipment, even if it was, um, you know non-omniscient camera crew but basically yeah. they put their casting audition out in backstage magazine which is like you don't do that if you're a big like that's like what you do like you know when you're a trying to get student. people yeah for your student film project yeah um they got around 2,000 actors they said uh, who responded to the casting call in new york and basically these people would show up they'd ask them a question and they had to improvise their answer so 
uh, Heather Donahue said for her audition, it was, um, she walked in and they asked her, okay, you've served seven years of a nine year sentence. Explain to us why you should be released and go. Um, and she had to improvise a speech <clears throat> and all the actors, um, Heather Donahue, Michael something and Josh, Joshua Leonard, something. Leonard, maybe, I don't know. Point is they got cast in the grounds of like, their improv skills because there was no script. There was the Joshua 30... Leonard and Michael Williams. Williams. Um, there was a 35-page outline that said, here's the general outline of what happens in the movie. All the dialogue in that film was completely improvised in every scene, which is mm-hmm. crazy to think about. And even um, the outline was not the outline that the, the, the directors and the writers had. Like, they were given a some of some of their outline like was redacted mm-hmm. because like they the camera crew like fucked with them and at, at at certain points oh, during yeah. filming so that the they could elicit real fear yeah um, it's funny because okay. now like Heather Donahue will talk about it and like hate that she was a part of it. Yeah, I I, I don't think any of them are like, none of them thrilled that yeah. they are involved in this. But um, so. Flipping over then, 2016, or whenever they started making this film. This was a very much top-down decision to make this sequel. It was um, New Line Cinema, or whatever it's called now. That's who did it, right? New Line? I think so. Yeah. It's a decision to commission a sequel. Because they were like, we should do a sequel. Which is, you know, okay. That's how these things go. Um, And Simon Barrett, the writer on this, who wrote... VHS, You're Next, um, Contracted, pitched his idea of a sequel to Milik and Sanchez when he met them sometime at an award show or something. And nothing came of the conversation. Um, And then I don't know how involved they were after that, but New Line Cinema, like, greenlit the sequel. Yeah, I... There's something about... Because he had asked them, he was like, oh, why are there no Blair Witch sequels? Like... Meaning, like, why wasn't it turned into a franchise? And they're like, well, nothing good has, like, come across our desk, Yeah, they, like, never had good ideas for yeah. a sequel. Yeah, which, you know, prompted him to do it. And I know he showed his screenplay or his treatment or whatever to them. And I, I think that they were just, they were kind of, like, ish about like it. ambient about it. Yeah. Not ambient. <laughs> Ambivalent. <laughs> Ambivalent. Maybe ambient too. Maybe it put them to Maybe. sleep. Maybe. Could be. <clears throat> it puts it almost put me to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And then the studio was like, no, nah, no, nah, we got this. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, and this has been in production for apparently like five or six years. Yeah. They've um, been, yeah. <laughs> it's been like quite the secret. Well, New Line Cinema hasn't really had anything huge come out basically since they finished the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like 10, 15 years ago. Which is insane. So, you know, I think they were looking for... And that was, like, a lot of... In a lot of, like, the chatter on the internet, too, after they announced that this was Blair Witch. People were saying, you know, as much as you hate it, it's a smart move for the studio because they don't have much going for them right now. And Blair Witch is such a pop culture buzzword for people. Um, It kind of makes you question the marketing decision, like... They were relying so heavily on this, which they were. They are. Why? Why do the? Why do the secret thing? Why do yeah. the woods facade? You know, yeah. like you'd think you'd want to build up as much 
anticipation as possible. Especially so, rather than waiting until two months until the release date and being like, "Oh, here's what it actually is." And we'll get to this in a little bit when we talk about the marketing. But that is one of my biggest like, what is the point of this? Because of how they handled the marketing versus the unprecedented way the original film marketed itself but Mm -hmm. the other thing is too is like i looked at these actors in this movie they're all virtually established actors they've had roles in like homeland and psych and twilight like they're people that you could recognize like are you come on well and they like this isn't exactly the most like intellectual comment to make but (laughs) it's splattered shatter all right they they look like polished. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they look like people that work in Hollywood. Yeah, Whereas especially um, Heather, Josh, and Mike looked like people. They looked like film students. He had, yeah. like, you know, this like ratty ponytail. Like Heather yeah. was wearing some like really frumpy clothes. She didn't have makeup on. Oh, she was throwing her hair back into messy buns. They were all just like average. Like people, these are like, oh, these these are what film students look like. Yeah. You know, these are film students in 1994. Um, and then these kids, like, no, they were like very clearly. The one for a hot second, the the, the chick who does all the camera stuff, I thought for the briefest of I don't second, even know her name. I don't, I don't, I, is his name, was it James? Was it Matt? He was James, yeah. Okay. Was the other guy Matt? was Peter. Peter. Lane. Lane. I don't know the girls. And Talia, Talia were the locals. Um, so, the girl whose name I don't know, <laughs> I want to say it's Lisa. Camera bitch. Camera bitch. She, like, for a hot second, I thought she was the chick from Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> the one who was like, I'm a sawyer. I'm it, sawyer. It looked I, like her. I kind of thought that, too. I thought for a second, but I was like, no, it's not her after I, like, I got a good look at her face. But I was like, that's my point right there. Like, you look like... Hollywood actors like you look like people who should be in front of cameras like none of you look like real film students or even just real student students because Jane like he was like a film student but he was also like a doctor or something because he's like he's like an uh he was like an EMT or something yeah because he was like he was the one carrying around the first aid kit and then like applying all the shit and was like yeah like I need to check her vitals and she has a feel like oh you were right by the way her name is Lisa is it that yeah crushing it so Lisa. And that actress is going to be in the new Alien movie. Yeah, I saw that too. So yeah, this is where like you you went out and cast these people or asked them to audition. Like this wasn't open casting call where you came in and and judged these people based on their because the one guy who played um, Josh I think also got said he mainly got casted because he had previous work as a cameraman because they had to you know we'll get to that in a second their use of their own cameras. The other thing here too is. There's so much exposition in this film that you can tell just how totally yeah. scripted it is. Like, none of this felt like a real conversation. Like, no. it was a totally scripted film, which, again, in films and horror films, it's not bad to have a scripted film. Obviously, that's the point. But when you're talking about Blair Witch, which was based entirely on improvisation, like, right. come on. No, none of it felt real. It, it, also, like, because the dialogue itself wasn't good, but... None of these people are good actors. Um, no, no. So when, so when you have that and a kind of pretty shitty script, it just – it's not a good cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially because Simon Barrett was talking about how he wanted to make the scares feel authentic because he was saying with VHS it was about 
entertainment value. So some of them were kind of, you know, over the top. And I was like, yeah, like we went through and analyzed like every like scare point to talk about. Yes. Like how the audience would, you know, react to it. And I'm like, which is why he also said in that same vein, they were talking about why um, the cast was expanded. They wanted six people or whatever to be involved because it it presented them an opportunity for more scare sequences. Um, but what was so great about the original is that having only the three students in the woods, it makes it feel tighter. Yeah. Because we get Especially to know when one goes missing. So we have more emotionally invested. Right. Yeah. So when Josh disappears, like we feel that. Yeah. In the, the way that Heather and Mike feel that. We're like, oh shit. And the other thing you've got there like too. When these people went missing in Blair Witch, I, was like, I didn't give a shit. I was like, okay, good. Let when Lumberjack uh, Blair Witch was knocking trees <laughs> over. Um, yeah. And the other thing too is like, you've got such a great dynamic when you've got just the three because inevitably you will get two against one. And that's exactly what happened right. in Blair Witch. In this, when you've got six people, four of which who are friends and two of which who are outsiders, like, I already know how that dynamic's going to work. Like, I know what's going to happen there. With the original one, when it was three people trapped in the woods, basically having to rely on each other to get out because one had the map, one had a camera, like, one was carrying an extra pack and all this other stuff. And when two of them kind of turn on one, you know, it's scary, especially when it's two guys against the lone girl out in the woods with them. Like, even beyond the supernatural stuff, like, psychologically, Blair Witch's isolation tactics and kind of, like, Mm -hmm. spooky Big Brother um, dynamics were, you know, pretty, pretty tense. This was not. (laughs) It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't... It wasn't anything that its predecessor was like on any level no um obviously it couldn't be like you know like Blair Witch Project was the fictional masquerading as the real yeah and then you know with one of the most successful viral you know marketing campaigns of of all time yeah obviously like you can't do that now because we all know that the original was Although I, even as recently as my senior year in high school, I like made some friends watch it. And there was a girl who was like, thought it was still like, thought it was real. Still thought it was real. So we like let her, like we like let that happen. We're like, all right, yeah, it's a Oh, you have to. documentary come across those like gems of a a person who still thinks it's real. Like like, I would never tell the truth. I'd be like, yeah, isn't that fucked up? I was like, yeah, like shit, (laughs) I can't believe like they released this stuff. Um, But there just wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't deep at all like no. it wasn't trying to i don't know like you think of you think of the blair witch project you think of the original and like it's so much like a meditation mm-hmm. on how like looking through a camera or a viewfinder yeah changes our perception and our distance from reality. And that becomes such a point in the film when yeah. when they talk about, you know, Heather's need to keep the camera on and and her just psychological obsession with keeping her sanity by looking through the lens because then it's it's not real. This isn't really happening. It's not real. It's we've amazing. got yeah. And you have those multiple per, like perceptions and interpretations of reality interacting within the movie because you know sometimes we're 
we're seeing like, I don't know, like the live action, like unscripted moments between the three of them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're watching videotape. Sometimes we're watching film stock. And Sometimes even, we're seeing staged bits that Heather is setting up for the documentary. And even it's the two different cameras. This, like, yeah. Because one records sound and one doesn't. One doesn't. It's all about this like fragmented reality that is presented to us through the like through a camera lens, yeah. which is like such a comment like on technology and that yeah. kind of that like where we are in the world. Like I mean that's found footage, like the medium is the message. And so many found footage films forget that now. Mm-hmm. Much like this new Blair Witch completely it, it makes no comment. It makes no comment like these comments that the original Blair Witch it project. It could have gotten, and it could have gotten close because it, it 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 skirted the surface for a second in terms of kind of making a comment about the millennial need to record things, right? And like the fact that millennials need to to have things put out there to prove that they've they've done something. Like it has to go on my Instagram. It has to go on my Twitter, or else you know I'm not. I don't exist. Yeah, yes. idea. Yeah. So you're like, right. The bones were there. It like, came. You know. It it almost made that comment. It almost started to make that comment, and then completely backed off of it once the scares started. Yeah, and I was like, and I thought that I was like, oh, okay, like you know, when she's giving them all the individual cameras, you know, like Which oh, it's going to record everything. Fuck, and stuff by the way, whatever. it was totally, it was such a stupid, you know, plot device and stuff or whatever. Um, but it could have been a tool. To get somewhere mm-hmm. deeper. Especially when they're at the club in the beginning and the two friends are saying, you know, do you really think you should be filming right. this? Like, this is about his sister and she insists on doing it anyway. And that conversation's really quick and there's no real substance to it. But right there, like, there's the bones of like, okay, like, it's 2016. We all feel the need to to somehow exist with this online presence with social media and, you know, that could very much be an interesting facet of a newer version of Blair Witch, but then they completely hopped mm-hmm. off of it. They just, they missed the chance to, they, they didn't even have to really, like, make a new comment. They just could have added on. Yeah. Yeah, like, as far as Blair I, Witch Project was telling us about. Yeah, this is like an like, extension of what Blair Witch was saying originally about, like, kind yeah. of piecing together this mosaic of, um pieces of the action and pieces of life and yeah just like the anxiety of being in a new technological age like you think like Blair Witch Project was coming out like right at the rise of like the 24-hour news station yeah which came about to cover the Monica Lewinsky scandal Mm -hmm. and there was all this like how do we view you know Bill Clinton now is he like a really good commander-in-chief that has like stabilized the economy and stuff or whatever, or is he a big creep? And it was like this huge event that nobody could agree on, but everybody was talking about it. And then the, the Blair Witch Project was an exact mirror of that. Yeah. Nobody could agree if it was real or not. And it was just like, that's when I feel like Blair Witch Project like started getting people talking about and getting horror talking about the idea of moral relativity. Yeah. And then you could have added on so much to that, you I know, 17 years on with Blair Witch, and it missed every shot to keep that discussion going. It's like Blair Witch is probably the most psychologically and morally a self-aware film that has come out in horror. Like, it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of the most intelligent. It's making, like, these crazy commentaries on the culture of the 90s, the culture of... of um, 
you know, perceived reality and the advent of digital technology and all this stuff within a horror film. Like this is a, this is a genre that's survives on tropes and stereotypes and making fun of the white people and their Ouija boards. And you've got this completely intelligent, psychological, supernatural thriller that's making an entire comment on, on the cultural status of America while being such a well put together film in its own right. Like mm-hmm. it's insane. And it's by That's, merely existing, it's making all these, these, these comments. That's the beautiful thing about horror. And that's like, you know, hopefully what we'll get to show you guys listening out there with this podcast, if you don't know already, like horror is such a perfect vehicle to comment on our current society and stuff or whatever. And to reflect almost more than any other genre mm-hmm. in film and stuff, or whatever. And it's been doing that since, since the onset and the Blair Witch Project is one of the absolute best examples of how it does that you know people are people bitch all the time like people that don't like it they're like oh it's too messy and stuff my sister walked out of it when she wanted to see it in the original and I was like first of all one people hate it don't walk out of a movie that you paid for (laughs) right like bitch movies are expensive now (laughs) yeah no people because it's funny because if you compare so like your thoughts on, you know, the, the politics of internet um, review sites, you know, aside, generally speaking, the bottom of the barrel is Internet Movie Database because anyone can go on there and just right. click, click, click. The ratings are allowed for everybody. So Rotten Tomatoes, it's got like a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. On Internet Movie Database, it's got a 66 because people have such polarizing views of this film and I think it's it's interesting to look at not the way... Not that we should always trust movie critics. Oh, no, I'm not saying... Like, and that's the thing is I even have my issues with Rotten Tomatoes and the way they do stuff. Because for the first Me few too. days of this movie's life, when it premiered at TIFF, it had 100%, which was awful. But, um, yeah, like, it, it's such a polarizing thing. And, you know, the way it's aged is interesting because people will now look at it retrospectively as like oh another found footage and ignore the fact that it was the not the first found footage but the first not found the first. footage of first. of of this time period but think of it as another found footage film in in the realm of all the ones that we that we know already and kind of look at it that way or people just don't get it, when it, is, it, it when it when it came out they just didn't get what it was supposed to be right but look what it's done you know like Blair Witch Project is is to, you know, found footage like what Halloween is to yeah, the slasher, slasher genre. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, Black Christmas pretty much did it first. But Halloween made it pop. Yeah. Cannibal Holocaust did it first, but Blair Witch Project started a phenomenon. And that's true for for a lot of things, because even if you look at animation and the Disney renaissance of the 90s, Little Mermaid did it first. Did it first. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast made it pop. Yeah. Like, that's the way it goes, is the first iteration of these things generally is, before it's time, it's a little bit of an introdu- introduction. Once they get their footing, the, you know, the next couple things they create are, are insane, because now you understand what you're doing in these mediums. Um, and then it kind of tapers off after that. Like, there's a period where it works, and then it kind of, the curve goes down. And we're at the point now where we're watching this, and the gallows, and... And, Yeah. And that stuff. Gallows had so much potential. I think we talked about that we before, did. didn't we? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you know, the point of any good horror movie is to disturb us and to unsettle us. And the Blair Witch Project is one of the 
absolute best examples mm-hmm. of doing that. Um, we can, yeah. So talking. Like, so what? That we don't, we don't see the monster. Who gives a shit? You don't always. See I didn't the need to see Gollum, Slender Man, Blair Witch. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, God. So, yeah, because, like, the Washington Post, um, in their original review of the movie back in 1999, said the Blair Witch Project is the scariest movie ever seen. It's not the goriest, not the grossest, the weirdest, the eeriest, the sickest, the creepiest, or the slimiest, not the most haunting, most disturbing, most horrific, most violent, most beautiful, most dreamlike, or most vile, just flat out the scariest. Scariest because it did something we that go you... through all of those I know once and assign a movie. Um, I could I could totally agree with that. Yeah. I could totally agree with that. So and this is going into then my next point. So the way they went about this, there was no omniscient film crew in the original one. They were carrying their own cameras. They had to learn how to operate their own cameras, which is why sometimes it's like super shitty quality and shots, but. Um, they got 19 hours of footage, but the thing is, is they got, like, they were fucking harassed by the crew, because they had, they had no contact with the crew other than every day they'd wake up, they'd get GPS coordinates of this place they had to go, they would find a message written in, like, a milk carton saying, here's your directing tips for today, here's what needs to happen by the end of the day of filming, and here's where you need to get by nightfall, like, more GPS coordinates, and then that was it, they were off, they were doing their thing. Right. So these scenes where, like, they went in a loop and found themselves in the exact same place, they were generally like, what the fuck? Because they've been out in the woods for three days camping, lugging these cameras around. At night, they'd get harassed by the crew who would show up and leave shit outside their tent or bang on, like, mm-hmm. or yell at And those were the, the things that were, like, excluded from their outlines. Yeah. They didn't know that that shit was going to happen. Yeah. They just woke up, like, they would get woken up in the middle of the night to these strange sounds. And there's this part where they're running, and you don't ever get to see what it is, um, where Heather yells, what the fuck is that? Because she looks over, and she's screaming. And people have said, you know, talked about it. It was, like, a crewman who was, like, chasing them into the woods in, like, like, three in the morning. Like, it's insane. Um, And they deprived them of food. Like, they, they wouldn't get enough food, and it was actually... If this was a union thing, that would not be. That would not oh, have flew. Right. But, um, and it was, it, Heather actually ended up getting, like, eczema or something from from being out there. Um, but Something yeah. happened with Mike, too. Yeah, he there was had, some sort of medical issue with yeah, him. He had some kind of thing happen. I don't, um, I don't know if it was. And the crew was essentially like, well, we're not done yet. <laughs> We need another couple. Yeah. And they ended up with like 19 hours of footage. I'm not sure how long they were out in the woods doing this. I know it was a couple days. Um, And it took them eight months to edit it down into the 90 minutes that you see on screen. But this was all, it's real because it was real. You know, they Mm -hmm. set a bunch of actors out in the woods with three cameras and scared the shit out of them for three days. It's real. And the movie reflects that in every single way. Like, movies cheat, right? Yeah. Movies make life ordered for us. You got your three acts. We have our villain. They're defeated at the end. Whatever. Horror movies don't have to adhere to that, you know? And the Blair Witch Project was like, fuck all that bullshit. Like, life is disordered. Mm-hmm. And it's not in a traditional frame like our movies. And that's what the Blair Witch Project reflected, you know? Technology and information, like, 
we think we understand so much now, but information doesn't always provide clarity. And the Blair Witch Project was was showing us how like there's still stuff out there that we're not going to understand. Yeah, there's still stuff out there that's going to fuck with you because life is cruel and you can't figure out why. And the, and that's that. The you know? crux of that is very much. Um, oh, whoops! I accidentally put my candle out. Um, you know the fact that Heather's trying to make that work. She's trying to get the situation into a frame of reference that she can understand inside. <laughs> The, the fourth wall of a of a TV screen or a computer screen or something and they end up having a huge blow up over it at one point because Josh, you know, grabs the camera and turns it back around on her and says, you know, what are you doing? You know, and he lists he goes in this great monologue where he's like, You're lost in the woods, you know, talk about it. Oh, you're lost in the woods, you're being chased by by an evil witch. Why don't you talk about it? And he just goes into this I tirade. Love that scene, by the way. This this complete <gasps> tirade against her where he's like, All right, you're on camera. Why don't you talk about what's going on and, you know, tell the viewers at home what's happening and she eventually, you know, has her breakdown where she admits that all she has is trying to make this filtered reality make sense and, and mm-hmm. try to make it less scary than it is. Um And it's failing them. Yeah. That's that's failing her. The technology is is failing them. You know, it's just these kids are just chasing their tails, lost in the woods. Um and that's terrifying. Yeah. And the other big mistake that this first of all, the, the gimmick of the the cameras needing to be on for the GPS to work. Oh good god. First of all, that was one of the things, and we talked about this in one of my film classes in high school, because we talked about the Blair Witch a lot in that, because, like, depending on your film teacher, they love to to reference that in terms of, like, learning how to shoot movies. Um, and we would talk about it, and she was like, yeah, like, it wouldn't work now because we have GPS, we have Siri, we have cell phones, and no one would really believe that you could get lost in the woods in rural Maryland. Which, for the Despite most part... Despite the fact that people get lost in the woods every damn day in this country. Yeah, but for our purposes watching a film, we'd be like, um... Yeah, we would say no. no yeah. Way. So their workaround to this is that, okay, they're using GPS, like, their way to claim that the cameras need to stay on is that the GPS only works if the cameras are on. Because there's GPS in these little ear Bluetooth cameras that they're wearing. Um, and they all look, sto- look so fucking stupid walking around wearing they do them. Look stu- no one, that's the thing, no one would ever, no one would do that. No one would do that. And then she's got her Nikon, like, she's got a normal camera, and I was like, well, I don't, whatever. So she, like, you know, that's their workaround for that. Okay, they're like, okay, we have GPS, but, and they're using the GPS to get home when they realize they've been duped, like, they think it's just a prank, a hoax. They're going home, they're following the GPS back to the car, and they're like, wait, like, we should be here, this is where the GPS says we should go. And they're, they're answer to the fact that, okay, we're in a world where we have GPS, we're using it to get out of the woods, and it doesn't work is that we're in some kind of strange time warp. They've gone yep. back in time. And and all this crazy, stupid, supernatural stuff that did not exist in the first one. <laughs> because the first one did not need to explain to you how... Because that was the thing, too, is they got lost in the first one because Heather went off the trail. Right. She was looking at the map. She chose to go off the trail. And she got them lost. And she, you know, that was a huge deal for, for in the movie because she doesn't tell them for the longest time. 
until they realize how lost they are. And she's like, well, yeah, like we went off the trail, but like I knew where we were going. And they're like, no, you fucking didn't. So it was, you know, Heather's insatiable need to, to make this film that in the poor decision she makes as a result that gets them lost. And here they get lost because the fucking forest travels them back in time. I don't Yeah. They walk through a time bubble or something or yeah. whatever. Um, and it makes no sense. No. It makes no sense. The whole, like, impetus for these characters going out into the woods is because they see this footage posted on YouTube where the, the main guy, he's like, oh, I think that's my sister, he's, it, Heather. Um, <clears throat> and so they, like, head to Burkittsville, and they find the two locals that posted the footage. And then at the end, it, we see that it's, our, it's their footage that was posted on YouTube. Yeah. It's the same footage of Lisa. It's Lisa's footage that they saw on YouTube, which makes no sense. The, like, it's weird it's because he... the locals die. So it's like, okay, so how did they find the footage and then get out of the woods and post it? Like, if they know they're in a time I... loop, why would they go back? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. No. And they're trying to suggest that, oh, they found the footage because it, got sent from the future to the past the where past. they could find it and create, you know, the situation where they went in the, which first of all, paradoxes, time travel. This Don't is, get me started. Time, time travel. It's like cursed child. Oh, 2016 boy. is the year of awesome things from our childhood ruined by time travel. By time travel. Which, you know what? Scream predicted it when Stab 4 <laughs> implemented time travel. Wes Craven knew. Um, no one listened to him. But yeah, like their their explanations for all these things are to throw plot elements at it and say, well, this is why they can't do that. This is why they can't do this. Whereas in the original one, and again, the original one was a barely, you know, outlined film at the time. And it, and it came as a result of these people actually having arguments with each other and making choices and, and you know, doing these improv things. That, yeah, that was... That's the thing about the the original, you know, Blair Witch Project. It's a Hansel and Gretel story mm-hmm. about these kids who, in the bigger intellectual sense, they find themselves abandoned by their culture, where science and technology can solve every mystery yeah. and explain everything, which mm-hmm. is terrifying to yeah. us as the viewer, um, because technology has failed and we're so reliant on it. In Blair Witch, the new one. Their solution is just, well, we're going to remove that, the culture of science and technology. We're not even going to talk about it. We're going to take them out of time because we don't, we don't know how, we, how to make things creepy in this culture right now. And that's so lazy. Yeah. It's so, so lazy. Like, as well as stupid. And this is something I brought up back when I saw The Witch um, in one of the, the pieces I wrote for it, is that humans have always been and will always be scared of the woods. That is an ancestral part of our DNA that is part of our instinct. We will never not be afraid of the woods. Um, And it goes back as far back as, you know, these folklore tales when you implement the rule of proximity, where the farther away from the house you get, the more in danger you are. And the things that live in the forest are a lot more malevolent than the things that live in your backyard. Um, And Blair Witch, you know, of course, that was the perfect setting for something like this. Kids getting lost in the woods where... Technology has failed them. Everything they know about their society and culture is suddenly removed from them. 
you know, because at one point they're they're singing in the original, they like sing the national anthem um, to like make themselves like feel better. They're like joking about wanting cheeseburgers, and they feel so far Connect- away from. They want to feel connected to society again, and they feel and and so they're sitting there doing this, and they just feel so far away from it all. And you're watching them, and you're like, they're never getting home. They're you know right. they. They've spent three days out in the woods without communication to the outside world, without technology, without phones, and it suddenly feels like they've been there for 50 years. And then which apparently night, in Blair Witch they were. Which clearly in Blair Witch they have been. God. But, um, you know, and then at night these strange, creepy things happen that they can't explain, they can't deal with. You know, like, whether it's real or not, whether it's animals or not, or someone fucking with them or not, or it's just the product of them kind of freaking out, you know. We don't know. It's the woods are dark. And that's and the that's, thing because that's it. it's not even just the characters don't find out. It's the movie doesn't tell you. No. There is nothing in the Blair Witch Project that tells you definitively one way or the other. Yes, it was supernatural or yes, it was rednecks fucking with them or yes, it was they were losing their minds. There's no answer. Yeah. And Period. They, they and it's sh- beautiful. Then the other issue I have is they tried in this new one to call upon the mythology because they're like, okay, Ellie Kedward oh. is our Blair Witch, which we knew from the original one. And that old, that, lo- that adorable old woman in the first one who's like telling the story to Heather and is like, I'm a historian and I'm working on a new, like she's got all these weird, the weird. that's another thing too. Like the few actors in this movie are, well, they weren't all actors. Some of them were random people they pulled off the street, but the random people in this, in the original were like... So great. But this woman in the original tells us about Ellie Kedward, this woman who becomes the entity known as the Blair Witch after some kids disappear and end up dead and they blame her for it. Or they don't end up dead. I think maybe they come back and they blame her for it. Neither way, she's like accused of witchcraft and killed. And then she comes back as this malevolent spirit haunting the woods in revenge. And this guy, Rustin Parr, um, like becomes under like the thrall of the spirit right. of the forest and that's starts, why he murdered the children yeah. he like murders these kids by making one stand in the corner um and face the wall while he kills another one um for varying explanations that's given you know there isn't really a definitive one given in the film um there's different reasons for that i per- it's just creepy as shit oh it's just creepy and, and it makes for a great it doesn't final, matter final yeah. shot um but so yeah, and then there's other things like about these guys at this place called Coffin Rock who like escaped the forest and were like tied together and like were like disfigured and then they disappeared and they never found their bodies and this girl who who disappeared cuz she drowned in a creek of like 2 inches of water like a hand came up and pulled her down and she was never seen again. Like you know, and there's all this mythology and stuff. And you know, we we go over it in the new one and it's like such garbage <laughs> like they, they're trying to implement new ideas on top they of do. this existing mythology and not very well no um, oh no like yeah i mean their biggest mistake is at the end when they confirm that the witch is real yeah and they show you slender man golem witch <laughs> yeah yeah who by the way looks like a slender man golem witch like i saw it and i was like is that the thing from wreck um <laughs> weird it was like a moment where it was like is alien abductions here they add this this new thing where like apparently if you don't look directly at yeah her, she's walk like backwards you're good to go she's like, and i was like 
Um, well, that, that was never, I mean, yeah. Heather got fucked up and she wasn't looking at any, whatever. Um, if that was the witch, we didn't know, but now apparently it was. So it just. Yeah. And then they put all these like weird tunnels in the basement then too. They were like, oh yeah, Rustin Parr had like these tunnels just to set up this sequence where she gets stuck in the tunnel. Right. To make you feel. They want like for people who for that are claustrophobic to feel scared or whatever. I was just bored. Yeah. It, that sequence took forever. Plus, it was like, get out of the tunnel, bitch. Plus, it was like in the trailer, so it wasn't a huge surprise. Um, it was just it was the classic thing that we've talked about on the show a number of times: over mythologizing, yeah, over explaining and showing too much. I mean, this movie was bad to begin with. Like, regardless if they would have shown anything or not, it wouldn't have been good. But yeah. So. In the final bit of this is, and we've touched upon it many times, is the thing that really put Blair Witch on the map and, you know, made it something that people paid attention to was the marketing. Because this was the first time ever that something used the internet to market itself, primarily the internet. Obviously, you know, this was the beginning of the internet and things having websites and that sort of thing. This was the first time that something was entirely marketed on the internet, utilized it as a medium for marketing, and it was the first time they utilized what's known as viral marketing, which you see now in a couple different forms. Um, like, people think that clown shit in South Carolina or North Carolina or wherever it is might be some form of viral marketing. For Rob Zombie's new movie, yeah. 31. Basically, viral marketing is a catch-all term for any kind of marketing that's, like... Non-traditional. Non-traditional, unorthodox. With this, what they did was, is they set up a website. They made a fake documentary about these missing kids. They made fake interviews. Which about, was shown. Yeah. On television. Yeah. On, like, the Discovery Channel. Yeah. They made a fake, they made a bunch of fake newsreels and a bunch of fake interviews about these missing kids. They hung up missing persons posters of the actors, like, around. They gave them out at showings of the film, asking for anyone who had information on them to come forward and, you know, let them know and let the authorities know. And it sparked this huge debate of people being like, what the fuck? Like, there's this thing coming out and it's like super disturbing and creepy and it's, it might be real, it might not be real. You know, nobody knows. Um, and eventually, obviously, now people realize like, yes, it's a film. It's, it was fake. But it was the first time anyone had done anything like that. And the thing is, is that, like, whatever found footage is, Blair Witch, the original one, cranked it up to 110 because it was so method in every single aspect of what it did. It marketed itself as a real movie. It opened as a real movie and says, you know, oh, we'd like to thank the families of blah, blah, blah for providing, you know, this footage. If anyone has any information on their whereabouts, which some found footage films still do as, like, a who knows? Right. You know, they have these no-name Even though no one, no one buys that shit. No one buys that shit anymore. There was a little bit of that when the first Paranormal Activity Yeah, came. they did that in the first Paranormal Activity. Uh, and, uh, but nowhere near yeah. um, what it was like when Blair Witch Project came out. Yeah. And, you know, so they did that marketing. They got these no-name actors. They really threw them in the woods, with, made them film it themselves, harassed the shit out of them. You know, for all intents and purposes, yes, like, Blair Witch was real in the sense that, you know, these were a bunch of kids harassed and lost in the woods, and you're watching it happen. No, there wasn't, a, there isn't a Blair Witch, you know, there isn't a Burkittsville, none of that stuff is real, but the way they went about making this is so, like, beyond method, um, 
that that's why people believed it, you know, because you could say all you want in, in these marketing campaigns, oh, this is real. And then when you get to the final product, it's garbage. Like, no, like it put its money where its mouth was. Um, and it paid off so, so well, and it still pays off. The marketing for the new one, their big marketing ploy was to use a fake name, to use a dummy yeah. working name until two months before the film was released. Which they have admitted the, you know, the motivation behind that was because they were afraid of fan reaction. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't for the purposes of any sort of clever new film watching experience. Nope. Um, it was just they were they didn't want to get hate mail or as much hate mail. <laughs> you know, the other thing is too with the scares in Blair Witch versus well, Blair Witch Project versus Blair Witch is first of all, this one had, you know, gore in it. Like the girl gets snapped in half at one point because apparently the little dolls are voodoo dolls. You see that weird parasite scene. None of that shit was in the like the closest we got oh, to yeah. that in the original we never got an explanation for that. Was um the teeth that is left outside their door. Like they find human teeth and a tongue because they think, you know, it's Josh's teeth and tongue have been ripped out. Um, you know, which is fucked up and scary. But you know, in this, yeah, we don't get an explanation for the weird, like, fucking nanobite parasite thing she pulls out of her leg. No idea. Um, you know, you see a tree fall on Peter. You see the tent go flying. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, and none of that is scary. None of that is scary. None of that is scary. It's just... <sighs> yeah. So... <laughs> In conclusion, in conclusion, don't go see Blair Witch. We say no to Blair Witch, much like Mr. Alex suggested. Get yourself some wine instead and watch the original. You can also, by the way, ignore um, the original sequel, uh, Book of Shadows. Oh, Book of Shadows, yeah. Don't even watch it. That one's not even found footage. No, it's not. So. And it's weird. (laughs) And it's very 90s. It's so 90s. It came out in 2000, a year after the original. Um, But it's the most 90s movie. It is. So um, ignore that. Ignore this new one. Um, And stick to the original. Yeah. And check out Cannibal Holocaust. Yes. If you haven't seen that before. The the original found footage film. Yeah. And uh, The Last Broadcast is a really good found footage film, too. I have not seen that one, but yeah. That, That did kind of the same thing. Yeah. So yeah. So that is um pretty much the end of our Blair Witch Bonanza. Yep. And now we're gonna segue to, to greener pastures. To greener pastures for the next couple minutes or so. About um haunted attractions. We are. We're gonna probably do a much bigger thing on this come October because there's nothing Craig and I like talking about more. Than haunted attractions. Yeah. Even repeating the same stories of things we've been to together. We're, we're <laughs> to each there. other. No one else even has to be To each there. other's faces. We're like, Craig, remember that time when? And he was like, yeah. So, um. That's why this is splatter chatter. Chatter. We're going to chatter. Um, so we're still trying to get suggestions for what to do for Halloween. Because we still don't know what we're doing for Halloween. Historically, we've gone to these like ragers at craig's cousin's house (laughs) we're not doing that this year we're taking a breather from that um 
and we do uh, you know do these 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 haunted attractions and stuff but um we want to kind of branch our shit out because like we've done a lot of them and we've done a lot of the same ones and we're totally willing to go back to those places because they're new every year essentially right um but you know if anyone has any suggestions for things that we should do for our Halloween weekend halloween weekend we want to hear them because I like I think there's some really interesting gems out there of haunted attractions that people don't because you hear about the same like five every year on the Travel Channel or like on you know these these haunted attraction websites and I think there's some yeah. really interesting. Do not recommend um, what's it called in New York blackout. If oh. I hear one more recommendation for blackout, I'm gonna lose my shit. You're going to blackout. I'm gonna blackout. <clears throat> um, I I heard about it. Mel started. We know. <laughs> Everybody knows what blackout is. I don't particularly have an interest in it. Mm-hmm. So um, they do like simulated rape and stuff or whatever. And I'm like, that's not what Which I know. That's not fun. No, no. I don't want to well, see that. Well, and that's like, so I guess we can start out with the one that we always go to is Scarehouse um, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I worked there for a time. Um, and that was actually one of the rules at Scarehouse is no instances of female victimization that was like a huge thing and still is a huge thing for scott simmons who's the creative director um and the creative team is that they can't that's not that's cheap horror um and things like that and using things like that is not what you go to haunted houses for right um but scarehouse so it's Basically, from what I mean, you might know more about this than me. It's basically the biggest haunted house in Pittsburgh, I think, in terms of popularity. Certainly in the last couple of years. Yeah. Absolutely. It used to be Terror by the Lake, um, which was technically outside of Pittsburgh. But then they had a fire, and I don't <laughs> remember. The lake. I don't remember if they ever rebuilt. Hmm. But, uh, but anyway. So, I actually, so maybe I can, I don't know how I would post it. I did an interview at Scarehouse a while back about with one of the um, people who worked there, um, Margie Kerr. Who, a link to it. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a link to it because it was in oh, print. But never I mind. Have the, I have the original document, so I can upload it like on our Tumblr or something if you want to read it. Yeah. Um, but basically, I interviewed Margie Kerr, who is the her her official. I don't even know what her official title was because I asked her once, and she what she gave me was, um sociologist who studies the effects of fear or something. Basically, she was their research person at Scarehouse who was a sociologist. She was a professor at Pitt um, who would do all these surveys and all these studies. And at one point, we had, like, this thing where you could get brain scans after going inside to, like, compare to see, like, what your brain activity was like after you went through a haunted house. Scarehouse takes it very seriously. But the history of Scarehouse... Which is why they're a really good attraction. Oh, yeah, I know. They, they put a lot into their research. But um, essentially what I got, the history of the building from a conversation with her, is that it used to be um, it used to be part of a, a factory, which isn't all this shit part of a factory. Um, it used to be, like, housing um, for, you know, factory workers or something in Etna. Um, Pittsburgh, you know, around the industrial era and time like that. Eventually, it was bought up as an Elks Lodge. Um, and there's still evidence of um, the old Elks Lodge in the building because it yeah. was a theater at There's one the point. bowling alley in the basement. Yeah, there's the bowling alley in the basement. There's a theater which they still use original parts of the theater in their um, queue out front and actually in the, um, the attraction itself. Um, and then... 
it was an Elks Lodge for the longest time, and then it was bought by the Simmons, who wanted to, like, make their own haunted house, and it's been that way ever since, like, 1999. It's been there, um, and it's essentially... It's been different in different iterations in different years, but it's three attractions that you walk through all three. Um, it's not one of those things where you pick and choose which ones you can do. Like if you're going to Scare House, you're yeah. doing all of them. Because um, they just flow one yeah. right into the other. Yeah. Um, and basically this year is The Summoning, which is kind of a Shining-esque um, haunted house that's been here for two years now. Yeah. Um, what, was what did they call it before that? I mean, it was, obviously wasn't that, but it was... Uh, oh, the, what was it called? Not The Reckoning. The Reckoning, I think, was one of them. Lost was Souls, it? something Maybe like that. Maybe it was right. Anyway. Point is, it's, like, uh-huh. very Shining-esque. Um, but, like, if The Shining was set in, like, the 1920s... Um, it's good. And then there's two new ones that I have not sampled. After that is this the, is this year for this places. is this year this is what they're gonna do this year. Um, then after that you go into Infernal. Don't know what that is. <laughs> Not sure. Then after that you go in, cool. you go into the three D one and the theme for the three D one is like a circus carnival type thing. The interesting thing, so people get really pissy about three D things in haunted houses. They used to do that one second. Yeah, so kind of like a breather. Yeah, traditionally you do those in haunted houses, and you know, as the second thing, as a way to like calm down your, you know, yeah. firing neurons. The first and shit. two were pretty intense and interactive, and yeah. then the second one was a bit less less intense. Yeah. Traditionally, their 3D one was Christmas themed, like a Krampus yeah. style type thing. And then yeah, well, they, Krampus last year, and then like two years before that, it was like I can't remember. The, it was like a clown. It was like clowns yeah. Christmas and and stuff. then for the longest time, the last one they had was the Pittsburgh Zombies, which was pretty cool. The way they Pittsburgh did it. Zombies was really high quality. Um, because it was basically you know like walking through the streets of Pittsburgh in a zombie apocalypse, and it was great. Um, they recently got rid of it, I think, because zombies... Did they do it last year? We didn't go last year. We didn't go last year. They might have done it last year. The last year I did it, they changed it up to be, like, a blackout-type situation. Right. Where a lot of it was which now... Was cool. Yeah, which where a lot of it was now in the dark, and you were being chased by zombies. Um, but since zombies have since kind of fallen out of super popular interest, I think had they... too many zombies. They kind of got rid of it. Um, and then the big interesting draw for Scarehouse is the basement. So the first year they did the basement, and I remember this because this was my sophomore year in college, and we got like $5 tickets to Scarehouse in our dorm. And they were testing out this idea of the basement by like grabbing people out of line saying like, hey, do you want to try this thing? Like sign this paper. Like we're just we're testing something out. And they would take people down into the basement. They'd sit them in a chair and they'd have this actor come up and like touch them and talk to them. And you'd have this very personal, creepy kind of isolated experience with an actor. You then like write your thoughts down about it, like they survey you, and then you got back in line. Mm-hmm. Um, that was preliminary uh, research for what became the basement, which is in the basement of the building. Um, you enter one or two at a time, um, and you sign a waiver that says they can basically do whatever they want. You are given a safe word, and bunny. The safe word is bunny. They have a bunny board um, for. You yeah, know, tally everybody who bunnies they out. Tally everybody who bunnies out. 
Um, and we used to shame. I remember it was shame. like <laughs> the second last the year I worked there it was like the second or third night we were open. Like the one person came over and was like, "Yeah, somebody bunnied out." Um, so it was like a thing. Um, but yeah, like they we did it twice, and they change up the the themes for those are a little less. Um, the first uniform year was just kind of creepy shit. Yeah. Because it was really all about, like, the interactive, like, oh, they're going to touch you and they're yeah. going to, like, yell at you and make you do shit and stuff or whatever and um and whatever. The second year, I feel like, had a bit more of a cohesive theme. There was, like, a religious subtext going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, because at one point, okay. Craig was dragged into a confession booth and then I had yeah. to, like, watch and... through, like, a whole... There's a point where you were you were like in a chapel yeah. and then your funeral. And, yeah. Um it was good. It's always yeah. been very high quality. Um very interesting. They give a lot of good the actors do a really good job. So um yeah. We didn't go last year, but um I imagine it was wonderful. It always is. Um, um, yeah, and they're doing it, obviously, it's like a huge draw, it sells out constantly, um, so they're doing that again this year, um, they're also adding this thing that looks like basically Scarehouse meets Escape the Room, don't know what that is, but it was advertised on their website, interesting, yeah, so, there's that, that's Scarehouse, um, Pretty, I mean, I love Scarehouse and I love going to Scarehouse. Um, and I like that they change up their stuff in one way or another every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've done that. Mike Dogherty of Trick or Treat is a fan. I had to take his cell phone before he went into the basement one time. <laughs> uh, he is very tempted to leave a message. Where's Trick or Treat 2? Where's Trick or Treat 2? I set a reminder on his phone. Um, yeah, he goes there a lot. Um, he's pretty good friends with Scott Simmons, who's a creative director. And I believe um, Legendary Cinema is like, if not a sponsor of Scarehouse, like an official endorser or supporter yeah. of some sort. We got t-shirts the one Yeah, year. we got t-shirts. Um, there was t-shirts. You, legendary. Yeah. They were selling Legendary t-shirts there and like they were using the one year um, Sam from Trick or Treat. They were licensed to use him inside the actual haunted house. So, Scarehouse. Scarehouse. So, yeah. If we found ourselves in Pittsburgh, that's what we would be checking out. Um, possibly other Pittsburgh haunts, too. I've been to a couple mm-hmm. around the city. Um, Scarehouse is, is the biggest draw. Uh, also, one year, we weren't in Philly over Halloween weekend, but we were in Philly in October. And we checked out um, two haunts, two attractions. The haunts at um, Eastern State Penitentiary. They do what they terror behind terror the walls, behind the walls yeah. and they did. It was six, yeah. Um, working through the prison, which you know took takes you a good, a good. Yeah, they were six reasonably sized haunts, ninety minutes almost. Yeah, to get through because they, yeah they're reasonably sized. And that was another one where you do one, you do them all because it leads to get out. Right. You have to go through all of them. They float all together. Really good, high quality. Um, we we did the the opt in experience where basically you put on a glow stick necklace that says you are okay with the performers touch you yeah performers touching you um and like some or like make you do different tasks like I got pulled away at one point and I had to like climb up this ladder and crawl through this tunnel 
mm-hmm. and like fall down a chute, like a slide that like reconnected me later yeah. on with the group. And, I got pulled away. And, and Mel was gone. <laughs> Like, I don't know where the fuck. Mel yeah, was. he pulled me because I got up and I went to because two these two chicks like joined us because they were scared. And they were like, "Can we be in your group? Like, can we form a group?" And we were like, "Sure." So when we get up to go into the next attraction, like I go to say like, "There's four of us" to the dude. I kept trying to lose these people. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, we just kept trying to ditch them. It didn't work. They were very good at keeping up our butts. Um, but we got up and I told the guy, I was like, yeah, there's four of us. Cause they were asking how many. And he was like, no one. And just grabbed me and shoved me in. Oh, I, was like, yeah. right, well. I was like, all right, well, this is happening. I remember um, that. So I went through an entire attraction by myself at one point. Um, but yeah. And like the, the ambiance of that place is so cool too. Like the, it is really cool. But we, we've also toured the, yeah. the penitentiary not in Halloween time. We went on the 4th of July. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's just creepy. Yeah, it's a, it's like this giant, and it's crazy the way it just shoots up at you. It's in the middle of the city. Like, it's mm-hmm. surrounded by buildings and apartments and bars and all this other stuff. And then suddenly there's this giant gothic fortress just in the middle of the city. Um, and, like, Al Capone was there. Like, there's some pretty famous prisoners. And um, Eastern State Penitentiary, the design of it basically was the basis for every other prison that came after it with the hub and the the spokes um leading off of it yes yeah, so it is an old prison it is very old it's i incredible. and i would suggest going there to visit it as a prison like it's very cool yeah. that way um if you and i think they do like ghost tours they do do ghost tours yeah so that's also fun Except obviously in october you know they're gonna have the haunts yeah um, but and then we also while we were in Philly that same night, yeah, we God. booked it. Was it the same night? It was because it was. we got we done at we got done at Eastern State. We went to a bar and then we booked it to yes, and then we booked Penhurst. it. We went to Penhurst, the asylum, which gets uh-huh. named drop name dropped in Stranger Things. Girl, it gets named dropped everywhere. Did you did you did you oh, notice yeah. that they were like, oh, did she escape from Penhurst? I was like, where does this where does this take place? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so if you don't know anything about Penhurst, it is um, an old asylum. <laughs> um, we yeah. talked about it, I think, on the show before. We did. It's a. Uh, it was a state school for um, people who had one mental affliction or another, based huh? on archaic uh, definitions of what counted as mental illness. And um, in October, they do. I'm trying to remember. I think they had. Three or four haunts. Mm, they had three, and then the fourth was that like tour in the in the main. Okay, yeah. Building. So they had three. Yeah, there was like the yeah. You like went through the administration building, and then you went through their basement. And then there was another one. Yeah, and then you just went through another building. Another building. Yeah, and then you kind of got like a, then. Then they had another building that was open, it, but there, it wasn't like a haunt. With that it was just one, like, you didn't. You could explore. You didn't have to do all of them either. You could pick and choose. Right. Like you, you could, could pick, pick to just do one or just do two. Obviously, Mel and I were like, we're doing them all. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we got there. I think we only had picked two, and she was like, why don't you just upgrade for like another 10 bucks? And we're like, okay. Yeah, I don't <sighs> know if we, we thought we like weren't going to have time or something. I don't know what yeah, it was. Yeah, because we weren't sure like what their cutoff was for that um, stuff. We got there late in the evening. Yeah. Um, but, but it was good, and they yeah. and they were really good too. You know, obviously the, their theme for most of it is like insane. Yeah, an insane asylum. asylum. Like patients have overrun the facility, and like that, that's kind of like the story. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and if you go on the Penhurst like attraction website, they have this fake history that they have going along with the haunt about the history of this Penhurst asylum that they've kind of crafted for the haunted house, which is pretty cool. They do that thing, you know, like a lot of attractions do that where like in the beginning they bring you all into the room and like someone explains like where you are and what's been going on. And then it's like, oh my God, shit's going down. Get out of here. Yeah. It was good. It was good. That they didn't, I, I don't remember. I don't think they had any sort of interactive attraction like none of the performers could touch you there no Um, which they might end up doing this year now that everyone's kind of getting into that interactive kind of become the norm um so yeah um another big attraction in the philly area that we have not been to but has been on our list is the bates motel um haunted attraction which i have no excuse because that (laughs) was a big thing in in high school is people would always want to go to bates motel um, yeah. and I hear commercials for it all the time on Q102. It's a big one. There's a movie about it. There's a horror movie about the, the guy, attraction at Bates Motel. The guy who did Bates Motel is also the guy who did the Penhurst attraction. Um, there were designed and owned by the same, the same guy. Um, so it bodes well they've for got, the level of three things going yeah. on. You can do the house or the motel. And then they have a hayride and then a maze. Yeah. I don't know in what order you have to do them, if you have to do them all. But, um, yeah, there's the corn, there's a corn maze, there's a haunted hayride, um, and then there's the actual haunt itself. The haunt. So if any of you listeners are out there, have been to Debates Motel Haunted Attractions, um, let us know and give us a review. Is it worth our time? Should we skip it? Um, yeah. Let us know. Um, additionally, if you, any of you listeners out there are familiar with Washington, D.C. area haunted attractions, um, let us know. That's where I'm based. I'm, you know, I've been seeing some things now. Obviously, the advertisements are starting, but I've not been to anything yet. So if you know anything about, let's see, D.C. Dead or Shocktober... Or Devil's Playground. I think that's I think in Maryland. Or the one, Haunted Forest. There's one that's in like Let one us, of the stadiums, I think. I'm not sure which one it is. I've heard that too. I don't know which one. I didn't go to it. I almost did. Oh, the, the Twisted Fields of Terror. That sounded cool too. So if you have any recommendations, let us know. Yeah. Because it, it's... Fast approaching that time of year, kids. And I've got all sorts of emails about coupons and I need to know which ones I'm using. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. I guess on that note, are we we pretty much done for this episode? We are Blair Witched out. We are... We are. Taking a pause on our our haunted attraction talk that will come back in October, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially since I'm sure we're going to want to talk about at one point the houses that October built. Hell yeah. This is like a movie that Craig and I made. <laughs> basically. Um, More or less. But yeah. Hold yeah. Don't go see Blair Witch. Yeah. See the Don't original. go see Blair Witch. Don't go see Blair Witch. Do see give us recommendations for haunted attractions. Also, if you've got them. recommend something we can watch for one of our, our 
our drunk our drunken podcast. We still haven't come up with a title for that. Yeah. But that's going to be an upcoming episode. Yeah, we should. Maybe the next episode. I don't yeah, know. We should make good on that at some point soon. <laughs> that's going to happen. So and if you don't you know, give us something to do, we'll just do something ourselves. We will. We've been looking at Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening again. We've we've talked your ear off. Um, we're not sure what we're doing for episode seven, but we'll... Uh, it'll be something. It'll be something. Something soon-ish. I don't know. Calm down. <laughs> Leave us alone. It's our show. <laughs> um, so, for now, we will say adios. Au revoir. Das vidanya. Sorry, hoes. We we forgot to give you all our contact information. All right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at uh, Splatter Chatter. Splatter Chatter. um, 666. Without (laughs) all the vowels if you're looking for the actual name or just searching for Splatter Chatter. You can find us on Tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com. You can check out the blog at splatterchatter666.blogspot.com or you can email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. As Drake would say, we turn the six upside down. It's a nine now. Because nine now. We locked ourselves out of our own email account. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. But. Okay. So reach out to us. We'll yeah. be there. And now is the real goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye for, for real now. <laughs>